Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. In the name of God, the most gracious, the most merciful. My name is Omid Bahad Nijad, and today I will be reading off the scripture, Exodus 19, verses 2 to, three, to 6. After breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed to the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called him to the front of the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the people of earth. For all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is a message you must give to the people of Israel. By the grace of God, I, I say, Amen. The people of God find themselves in about the most inhospitable environment they could imagine, a, a wilderness. Now, for us in the Pacific Northwest, we think wilderness and we think this is a place to be with God. When the Old Testament Hebrew people imagined wilderness, what they imagined was probably something more like we think of a parking lot, the most inhospitable environment for life we can imagine. Anyone middle-aged and older can probably fill in the lyrics to They Paved Over Paradise and... Because let's face it, no one wants to go for a camping trip in a parking lot. If people in the ancient Near East felt about wilderness in some of the ways that we feel about parking lots, inhospitable, dry, wouldn't want to live there, I think it's fair to say that they felt about mountains some of the ways that we feel about, well, wilderness. A place to get outside the, the things of normal everyday life and perhaps encounter something of the divine. A place where the natural and the supernatural begun to overlap. It was actually, after all, the point where earth sort of most meets, comes close to heaven. A place where the gods and people could come together perhaps and for God's people this was absolutely just as true. Mountains were often a place where God chose to reveal his 
goodness, his glory, his person to communicate with his people and demonstrate his power. One more piece to the setup here. We read that the people encamped before the mountain and this word in Hebrew before or in front of the mountain is a word that's used in throne room ceremonies. The people have been led by God, the pillar is with them, but they are anticipating a revealing, a showing, an experience of God's presence with them that's gone beyond anything they've seen yet. They are coming to the throne of God. While the people are camping down at the bottom of the mountain, Moses makes his way up the mountain and as expected, as hoped for, he meets with God in a tangible way with a clarity that apparently went beyond anything he had experienced except perhaps the burning bush, which was actually right back here at Mount Sinai, if you read back in Exodus 3. And in this face-to-face encounter, the first of many in these chapters of Exodus, God gives Moses a message for his people. And then in this place of meeting, this place, this mountain, where heaven and earth, the divine and the human come together, God gives Moses a three-part message, in effect. God invites the people through Moses to remember what he's done. And then he makes a request. And then he gives them a promise. The reminding of what he's done is very straightforward. Remember what I've done to the Egyptians. Pretty pointed comment, but of course that includes not just the Red Sea, but the plagues. This is very recent memory. They've only been out of Egypt for three months to the very day. God calls them to, though, remember to not let go, to remember how he's carried them through this impossible journey and brought them to this place to meet him. And then he asks them, and we'll get more into this in the next few weeks, but he asks them to keep his covenant. Now the covenant in the Old Testament times in the ancient Near East, again, we'll get to this in the next few weeks, but a covenant is between a superior and the one who's being brought into relationship with the superior, usually a king with a vassal or a king and his subjects, in this case, God and his people, where God makes promises to his people, but then invites his people to make promises in return to him. Remember my covenant, beginning with Abraham, how I chose you, not because you were big, but you were very small, but I chose you, this nation who would be enslaved, I chose you. Now, if you keep this choosing, if you stay with me, I will continue to bless you, and here's what I promise. The promise begins with this declaration that the whole earth belongs to God. He created everything inanimate and animate. He created all peoples. But he's going to make this people these children of Abraham, his treasured possession. Now, treasured possession here is not a word that simply means, you know, like sort of favorite object. In the ancient Near East, in treaty contexts, this Hebrew word, segola, treasured possession, is a word that's used for the, the choice ambassador, the one who goes on the king's behalf to meet with others who've 
run away from him or to meet with others who he wants to bring into alliance with him. The treasured possession, the segala, is the person who's entrusted with the task of winning the affections of others to this good and gracious king. And that's the role, that's the life that God's people are invited into to be his ambassadors to the earth, the earth that rightfully belongs to God in the first place. Further, he says, God invites them into this role of this identity of being a nation of priests. Now again, a little bit of time travel, a little bit of cultural translation. We don't think of priests other than, you know, Catholic priests or priests of other religions, but the word priest, particularly in all ancient religions, and even the reason it's retained in the Roman Catholic Church and the Anglican Church and others, is because a priest is an intermediary. The priest is the one who goes in between. If you want to approach a particular deity, you can go to a particular place that's set apart for that deity, or you can interact with a person who has this priestly role, this intermediate role, who will take your request communicated to the priest, and then the priest goes on and presents your request to God, and vice versa. But God's people are invited into direct relationship with him. Yes, there, there are pastors in, in the Old Testament priests who function in this leadership role for the people, but the entire nation is to function as priests on behalf of God in relationship to the other nations. If other people want to know what God is like, they're invited to look at God's people and see his character played out. And then we come to this third gift, this third identity that God offers to his people as a holy nation. Now again, the word holy is one that should be explored at greater length, but it's a rule to represent, the rule to be set apart, not on our own for ourselves, but set apart so that all the other nations can be blessed. So what does this mean for us? Well, First, we need to recognize there is a conditionality. There is a if-then part to what God says here. If we listen to his voice, listen in the sense of take seriously what he says, all of what he says, to let his word not just inform us, but change us. And if we keep his covenant, keep in the sense of guarding, preserving, living into his covenant promises, entrusting our lives to him, then we get to walk the path opened up to us through these three identities, his treasured possession, his ambassadors to the earth. His, all nations are his, but we get to be his sent representatives the kingdom of priests where people can come to us to see who God is and his character because we're a holy nation. We're set apart by his voice, by his word, by his covenant. We're set apart and made distinct so we can show others who God truly is in his love and his power and his majesty and his grace. I've had the privilege of being part of three communities where I've seen this process play out. This same opportunity that God offered to his people then he offers to us now. And I've seen this play out 
both as a college student with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship back in the 90s. I watched it play out in the church I was part of in Southern California for eight years in the city of Pomona. And honestly, I've seen this play out here in Kirkland and Kenmore and Bothell, where I've been for now eight years as part of Inglewood Presbyterian Church. In each case, as we have lived into our distinctiveness, our set-apartness, our identity as God's ambassadors to the community around us, as we, in fact, have become more aware of who we are in Jesus, our impact at the community around us has grown and grown. In each case, as we've lived more and more into his covenant promises and trusted him with our finances, with our building, and yes, with our personal lives, with our neighbors and coworkers and folks that we play with and work with and cross paths with. In each case, as we've lived into these identities of treasured possession ambassador, kingdom of priests, set apart people, God has been at work to bring good, not just for us, but to the community around us. And here is where our opportunity in this season comes in. In this wilderness time, we have the opportunity while we're apart to live into some of the rhythms and disciplines of a life that grows us in our ability to hear God's voice. The first step indeed is to listen to God's voice. Friends, dig into scripture. Make the goal of every day at the very beginning of the day to make your heart happy in God. We have a webpage that has some tools for prayer. Just open up the scripture. Start with one of the gospels or the book of Acts. Read just a few verses, one story of Jesus. Ask him to show you more of who he is so you can hear him and then guard what he gives you. Keep hold of what he gives you. And day by day, grow into these identities that he's offering to us. See, these people in the wilderness, they didn't have a lot of opportunity during those 40 years to interact at great length with all the other nations. That came later. But this wilderness time was their time of preparation to hear his voice, live into his covenant, grow in these identities, so that the goodness and greatness and glory of God could shine out through them as they grew in their enjoyment and rest in him. Friends, today, if you hear his voice, open yourself up to him. Every day, day by day, open yourself up. And when they grow and become solid and planted and full in all the ways he intends for each of us to be. Amen.